it means for us. Well, good morning and welcome to Easter at Life Church. Thank you guys so much for choosing to spend time with us this morning and worshiping our risen Savior. Hasn't it been awesome already? Man, thank you, band. Thank you for worship team and all the tech, all the stuff that's gone into this morning already. You guys, as Stephen's already mentioned earlier, this is the second service for us this morning. And um, I could go for a third and fourth service listening to the band again. <laughs> I tell you, it's awesome. I just love it. I was trying to tell myself, don't sing too hard down there. My voice is already kind of a little weak here. so uh, But I, I can't help it. You just got to sing, right? Uh, it's kind of in the bones there. But thank you so much for uh, uh, celebrating Easter here at Life Church, especially visitors today. Thank you so much for being here today. And uh, we hope you find a welcoming, loving place here uh, that maybe you can call home, uh, Life Church. So we'd like to invite you back. But what a special day today is Easter Sunday. There's always something special about Easter Sunday, isn't it? It's the Super Bowl for churches, right? You know, we look forward to it, you know, but here's the thing. You know what? I, I told everybody in the morning about 845, about 30 minutes before the first service, um, we all gather in here, all the volunteers and stuff, and we just pray. And you know what? We ought to look at every Sunday as Easter Sunday, right? We meet on Sundays each and every week to celebrate a risen Savior, you know, so every Sunday's Easter Sunday here at Life Church, so I expect everybody back next week, Okay. All right, clear your calendars, everything. All right, great. But, you know, Easter Sunday, there's just something special about Easter. And what, ma what makes today even more special is the opportunity for us to gather together to serve, to, to, to serve and, and, and to worship this risen Savior, Jesus. Because if you remember, like all of us do, it was just a year ago where we couldn't gather like this. This was not possible. Uh, after, you know, COVID was just emerging and the lockdowns had just begun, we were scrambling as a newer church, you know, around here trying to figure out how we were going to even move forward and, and how, how we were going to do things when we couldn't gather together. You know, we, we weren't totally prepared to go from uh, meeting in person to having everything online and, you know, what, um, uh, and it just didn't go online, but we went online for a long time. 22 weeks that uh, we could not gather as the church. When we got the news that everything was shutting down last year at spring break, man, we all on our team and stuff, we didn't stop making preparations for Easter. We thought, oh, this thing will go away in just a couple weeks, right? We'll be back to normal. And, and it was just a week or so later we thought, oh, my goodness, we're not going to be able to meet. We're not going to be able to do this thing. We're not going to be able to gather as the church on Easter, let alone every other Sunday. But Easter of all days. You know, I'm thankful for Cornerstone Church over here in Davenport. Uh, they opened their doors to us and allowed us to come and uh, use their facilities to record our services. Our first service that we recorded over there was for Easter Sunday. We had started just recording some stuff in our house uh, there at the end of March last year. When it came to Easter Sunday, we're like, man, we want to at least have some semblance of a normal Easter. So the church opened up to us and everything, and we got there. I, I, it was Good Friday last year. The band and everybody showed up on that evening, and, man, the band went through, and they recorded all their stuff and got everything ready for the service, and then they all left me. Here we are in this big old auditorium, and everybody left. I was like, man, these people don't love me anymore. But, uh, you know, we got up there, and um, it was just me and Stacy, and then some of the tech crew, some of the guys back there that, were, that uh, stayed and helped that evening. 
And when I got up there on stage to record the message, I was a wreck. I was a wreck that evening. I, I was so emotional, and man, I just, I just broke down, and Stacy came up there on the stage. My wife, if you don't know, my wife is the one who's on the keys over here and singing it all. I am very blessed, am I not? Uh, yes, my wife is incredible uh, in so many ways. But, you know, before I started, she came up, put her arms around me, and just started praying for me. You know, because I was emotionally spent at that point, you know, scared about the future, what, what, what that might hold, and not knowing when the church would ever be able to gather again and stuff like this, like, like, like we'd always known. But, but I knew that in just a few moments, I had to try and give some hope, give some hope that maybe I didn't really know myself, you know, to, to know what, what that hope actually looked like, but I didn't know where the source of hope was. And so it was just a few moments later that I had to, had, had to hopefully give some hope to those who would be watching in their homes and worshiping in a different way last Easter. What a different way it was, wasn't it? In our homes and, you know, singing the songs, they already recorded things going online and then gathering with the family. There was such a uniqueness to that. It was an Easter like no other, just like 2020 was like no other, Right. To me, though, what makes today so a little bit more special than other Easter's is that, right? I hope that I never, and I hope that the followers of Jesus and Hope Life Church and the church as a whole never takes for granted the opportunity that we have to gather together and worship. Isn't it awesome? There's just nothing like this. I mean, the time that we spent worship online, I'm thankful for that, but I'm telling you what, there's nothing like this. Man, those of you worshiping online today with us, we are thankful that you're there with us, and we invite you maybe one day if you're in the area to join us here. Well, in the last year, we have faced so much, and there's no doubt that so many have lost so much as well. And I have one goal today, and that is to give you some hope. You know, I don't know what your circumstances are in life. I don't know whether or not you are riding high on the mountaintop, and everything's going great, or whether everything is falling apart in life, and you don't even know what the next step may hold. No matter where you fall in there, I, I hope today we can point you to where you can have hope no matter what the circumstances are around you. Well, there was a man that was sentenced to death who obtained a reprieve by assuring the king he would teach his majesty's horse to fly within the year on the condition that if he didn't succeed, he would be put to death at the end of the year. Well, within a year, the man exclaimed later, the king may die, or I may die, or the horse may die. Furthermore, in a year, who knows? Maybe the horse will learn to fly. You know, sometimes, you know, we can hold on to some hope, and we, we can try to, this, this guy was trying to hold on to whatever, right? Well, today, let's, let's look at the events that unfolded leading up to that first Easter Sunday morning. Last week, being Palm Sunday, we talked about the triumphal entry of Jesus to Jerusalem for that final time. He was making that, that a trek down the road there to come into Jerusalem to ultimately give his life. When he entered into Jerusalem on that day, on that Palm Sunday, the people were shouting and praising him. They, they, they were shouting Hosanna and wanting to set Jesus up as their king to just in a matter of a few days turning on him and calling for him to be crucified. And in the process, releasing a criminal named Barabbas instead of Jesus. You know, to think about it, here, here Pilate, Jesus at one of those stages was before Pilate 
one of the Roman leaders there, and, uh, and, and, and Pilate could find no fault in Jesus. He's like, why have you guys brought him to me? So trying to wash his hands clean, he says, okay, bring out a criminal. Find a criminal. You know, so they found Barabbas, bring him out and offer and say, okay, right, here's my way of, of being let off the hook with this. And he, he thought for sure that the crowd would call for, for, for uh, Jesus to be set free and for Barabbas to be executed. But just the opposite happened. Jesus. Jesus. The crowd call, went from calling him to be their king to calling for him to be crucified. News on that, on that day, just a few days there, on that first Good Friday, it's where, man, Jesus gave his life on a cross. And when he, whenever he did that, almost all of his closest disciples and followers, you know, Jesus had those men, the, 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 those 12 guys and others that, that followed him practically everywhere he went. Man, when this happened, whenever Jesus died, when he, when he was arrested and taken off, man, they all fled. They all they, they were like, man, we got to get out of here. We, we, we got to distance ourselves from Jesus. Even though Jesus, even though Jesus had told him on several occasions that he was going to die and rise again, they couldn't quite believe what was transpiring before their eyes. You know, think about it. He, he, he told them on several occasions, and he had just told them in that upper room where they had the, that Lord, the Lord's Supper communion. Jesus told them what was going to happen, that, that, that he was going to be arrested, that he was going to go to a cross, he was going to die, and he was going to rise. You know, he, the, none of this was, was, should have caught them by surprise. But, you know, I can kind of uh, relate to these guys a little bit here because my wife, my wife, she accuses me of selective hearing all the time as well. You got anybody out there with me? Yeah, you guys with me? Yeah, very good. Yeah, at least some of you are, are, are being honest, you know. Uh, you know, my, there, I grew up, well, not, well, I grew up with, um, uh, in a household of three younger sisters and, um, and no brothers. And I've been blessed, Stacy and I, with four daughters. And uh, with that, we, I don't have a son. I've just got four daughters. You know, one's married, uh, one off in college, another one's going to graduate here this year from high school. And then we got our little seven-year-old, Molly. But at the time, whenever all four of our kids were under the same household, my household can be chaotic and hectic. You know, those of you that have a bunch of kids and stuff, you know that, right? And in my household, everybody's musical. Everybody loves to sing and do all kind of stuff. There are times, you'd, if you were walking my house, you'd hear, you would see, they'd all be singing, but not the same song. I mean, it, this, is, this, is not, this is the truth. And then you had some of my other family involved with it. They go in the other room, and they're, they're playing on the piano. They're doing this. Everybody's just singing. It's like going, oh, my goodness. You know, I love music, but, you know, it would be nice if everybody just gets on the same page. Well, we're, you know, there, there are many times, you know, to where I, I have this unique ability. I can tune anything out. I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but it is a gift from God. And if you need to know how to do that, just come see me. I can kind of what out. But, you know, I can't. I, people are amazed sometimes that have been over and seen all the chaos happening all around me. And they're like, how can you be so calm? How come this, is, this doesn't bother you? I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about, right? You know, I just have this unique ability. It's pretty cool. But, you know, Jesus, you know, here, here, he, he had let these guys know over and over again on a couple different occasions, man, this is, what is it, this is what's going to happen. I haven't come to go and to rule and reign at this point, but here was Jesus, the one that they had left their homes and lives for, he was dead. 
all the incredible things that, that they had heard him teach and all the unbelievable miracles, including bringing the dead back to life, didn't seem like it was enough for them to hold on to hope now. He was dead. Their teacher, their friend, the one they had trusted their lives and futures with, he was gone. Because of that, all hope seemed to be gone now. At, at, at the beginning of the week, just like we said, when they were entering Jerusalem, they must be here, his disciples, they must have felt like they were on top of the world, right? Man, the people are calling for Jesus to be king. Could you just imagine Peter and John fighting over what position in uh, Jesus' cabinet that they were going to have, who was going to be vice president or whatever, right? And the, these guys, man, they were, they, they were riding on top of the world, and then all of a sudden, here they are. Jesus is dead, and they're lost and hopeless. Without direction. It's like, it, 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 as if it could go wrong, it did, and then some. They, they didn't quite understand. They didn't quite understand that what had transpired when Jesus went and gave his life on that cross was the single greatest act and display of love toward all of, me, all of humanity ever or that ever will be. Man, the single greatest act of love when Jesus laid on that cross willingly. And to give his life, shed his blood so that we might have the opportunity to have life. Man, they missed all this. Can you relate? Can, can you kind of relate to them though? Have you ever just felt kind of hopeless? Well, let's read in Matthew what, what happened on that first Easter morning, starting in Matthew chapter number 28. Verse number one, you can follow along on the screens here. It says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. And here it is. He is not here, for he is, has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Man, they, the angel proclaimed to those coming to the tomb to, to, to care for the body of Jesus. The angel proclaimed to them on that morning. He said, he is not here for he is risen. That's what Easter is all about. Hope wasn't gone. Here, when, when, when Jesus died, when he was arrested, when, when, when he ultimately gave his life, man, man people thought you know, they, his disciples mistook that, mistook that silence of those three days as Jesus being done for. The questions and doubts that, that must have arisen, arisen as to whether Jesus really was who he said he was. The son of God, God in the flesh, were no doubt on their minds. All those questions and that silence was broken though as the stone was rolled away. And Jesus came up out of the tomb alive. Hope had risen from the dead. Hope was now firmly established. Jesus had defeated death hell, and the grave. His mission was accomplished. Love triumphed, and hope was given. Well, one of his closest followers there was, was Peter, and Peter was kind of, the, uh, kind of like a, 
almost like, like the leader of the twelve. He wrote this about the resurrection of Jesus several years later, close to the time of his death. He wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter, Peter came to understand on the other side of the resurrection that he didn't understand on the front side. On the other side of the resurrection, he came to understand that there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. Peter himself, you will remember, went, went from slashing a guard's ear off in the garden trying to protect Jesus to hours later denying him. He had lost hope. So quickly. But that all changed in a moment though. He experienced a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. This hope wasn't something rooted only in the future in heaven. But it was rooted in the here and now. He understood that hope was for here. Peter would go from denying he knew Jesus to years later giving his life for proclaiming the message of Jesus, the message of love, the message of hope and peace and joy and so much more. Do you know Peter and those disciples are probably, those followers of Jesus, those guys there, they are probably the greatest evidence that this whole thing that we're talking about is real. You know, these guys right here, Man, they went from cowering for their lives. They thought because they were going to be associated with Jesus, because, man, people knew, knew some of these guys. Man, they, these guys followed Jesus, right? So as soon as Jesus was arrested, man, they fled to get away. They, they didn't want to be associated with him because, man, Jesus, man, and then Jesus died. They're thinking, man, my, our necks are next. But what did these guys do after Jesus rose? They went from cowering in fear to all of them except for one. Eventually being a martyr for this message of hope, the message of the resurrection, the message of Jesus, living hope, living hope. You understand here, here today, I want you to understand living hope has a name and his name is Jesus. It's because Jesus rose from the dead that we can have hope today, even some 2,000 years later, not just for our future, but for our present Knowing Jesus and have a relationship with him is as much for today as it is for heaven to gain. It's as much for today, guys. You know, to have, you know, this, this hope we're talking about, this hope in Jesus doesn't make all the bad things in life disappear. It's not like a magic wand that sets everything in our lives the way that we think or hope that it should be, right? But it's a hope, it's a living hope that lives within those that choose to follow Jesus. That say yes to Him. A hope that makes life worth living. A hope that, a hope that you want others to experience around you. A hope, a hope to hold on to when everything around you goes awry. Because we know life doesn't ever go totally the way we want it, does it? We're throwing a lot of curveballs in life. But you know, through everything, when you know Jesus, you can have hope no matter what you face. There is a word that uh, Peter used that uh, Paul used as well. It's the word mercy. 
It's because of the great mercy of God towards you and me that we have this opportunity to have this hope. Listen to this verse here, here, because it helps explain how we can obtain it. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to God's mercy, he saved us. Listen to that again. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, not by us trying to be good enough, not by us trying to measure up to some, some mystical bar. It's not about what we do. But it's all about Jesus. But according to God's mercy, he saved us. It's about what has already been done. See, God set up a mercy-based system that is based upon what has been done for us in, his, in Jesus' death and resurrection. He paid the price, the penalty for our sins, and offers us, so, and offers us mercy instead of judgment. Hope instead of hopelessness. You know, so much of, so many religions is all about mankind, humanity, men and women, boys and girls trying to, trying to be good enough to gain the favor of a vengeful God ready just to knock us upside the head. But that's not the God we see in Scripture here. It's not the God we really see in the Bible. But God the Father set up a mercy system and showed all of humanity what love looks like in sending us His Son, Jesus. God wasn't okay with the separation that had come between us and him that, that, that goes all the way back to when Adam and Eve took of that fruit there in the garden. Do you know what's pretty cool about that story that, that there with Adam and Eve and when they took that fruit and all is that sometimes we, we get the mindset that at that point, man, God left, went away and kind of let them be, right? But that's not what happened in that story. It was Adam and Eve, it was you and me that went and hid from God. And it was God that didn't leave the garden, but stepped into the garden and lovingly pursued Adam and Eve that day. God wasn't okay with this separation, and he found them, and they had clothed themselves of the things that they could do of themselves, right? With those fig leaves. But God said, that's not good enough. And he performed the first sacrifice there in the garden and clothed them and gave them the opportunity to be made right again with him. And it's because of that, 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 that first sacrifice that, that God himself performed there in the Garden of Eden, that was a picture of his son. And that we were talking about this morning, that he would eventually go to a cross and give his life so that we could have life, so that we could experience this hope. God wasn't okay with that separation that had come between us and him, and he made a way for us to come back into relationship with him. Not by what we have done, but by what Jesus has done for us. So how do you obtain that, this living hope? Well, it's really quite simple by just quit trying to do, quit trying to impress, quit trying to impress God by what you do, and simply trust Place your belief in Him and what He has done. Transfer your trust from yourself to Him. Say yes to Jesus. When you do that, you know what He'll do? The Bible says He comes in and He will give you this living hope. Because He's alive. John 3.16 says this, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. You know what's so cool is you could put your name in there. You know, it says, for God so loved Brandt. For God so loved Stacy. For God so loved Mike and Karen and, and, and Cleef. And, you know, go down the list. Put, put your name in there. For God so loved us, you, that he gave his son so that you could have life. Reminds me of a story of a little boy who understood about what this living hope was all about. The boy's name was Philip. He was born with Down syndrome, and he attended a third-grade Sunday school class with several other eight-year-old boys and girls. Typical of that age, the children did not readily accept Philip with his differences. But because of a creative teacher, they began to care about Philip and accept him as part of the group, though sometimes not fully. The Sunday after Easter, the uh, teacher brought some large plastic eggs. Each, each of the children receiving one, they were to go outside on that spring day, find some symbol for new life, and then put it inside that egg-like container. And when they all got back in the classroom, they, they, they would share their new symbols of life, their new life symbols. Surrounded by the children, the uh, teacher began to open them one by one. After each one, whether flower or butterfly or leaf, the class would just ooh and ah. And I understand that because I've got a seven-year-old in the house that everything is dramatic, everything is big, and everything's ooh and ah, right? Oh, the amazement of a child. The children, though, they came to this one egg. It was opened up, revealing nothing inside. Nothing inside. And then you know what? The, the, the children exclaimed, well, 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 that's not fair. Somebody didn't do their assignment. Well, Philip spoke up and said, that one's mine. And then some of the kids were like, Philip, well, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. You, 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 you never get things right. But Philip responded like this. He said, I did so do it. I did do it. It's empty because the tomb was empty. And silence just fell. You see, little Philip, he understood at eight years old where life and hope comes from. And that it comes from an empty tomb. So this Easter, what will you do with the empty tomb? I believe it should do one of two things for everybody in here today. If you're a follower of Jesus, then it should motivate you. It should excite you. It, it should get us to do exactly as the angel instructed the women there that Easter Sunday morning when they arrived. Remember what the angel said and what we read. He said, come and see. Then he said, go and tell. Come and see the empty tomb and then go and tell. And if you know Jesus here today, if you're his follower right there, it ought to motivate us that because we, I mean, it's our desire, it's my desire, it's our desire here at Life Church to be that safe place for people to find and follow Jesus, to go and invite others in so that they can know about this hope that can only come from him. Or maybe number two, Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and this is all new to you, and maybe you're just kind of exploring this thing. That's okay. My desire is that today, maybe you make a decision to choose to follow Jesus to experience this hope that we're talking about this morning. A hope that is based not about, about what, on, upon what you do and trying to be good enough, but a hope that is based upon what has already been done for you in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this time. 
God, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful for the empty tomb. Lord, we're thankful for your great love toward us, your great mercy toward us. God, we're thankful for Jesus, your son, and his willingness to lay his life down for us. So that we might have the opportunity to have life, God, and we are so thankful that he just didn't stay dead, that he rose again on that third day. God, Lord, we are so thankful here to gather, to gather as a church, to worship you, to make much of you today, God. But, Lord, I have no doubt that there are people here today that have never chosen to follow you. But maybe today would be the day, Lord, that they would know what it is to experience the resurrection in their life. Know what it is to know you, to know hope and peace. In Jesus' name. If you're out there with heads bowed and eyes closed here this morning, and maybe today you're, this whole thing is, maybe, maybe it's new to you. Or maybe today you're just understanding, man, what Jesus has done for you and how, man, he loves you so much and he wants a relationship with you. Boy, this morning I'd love to pray for you. You know what? You can have that hope by simply just saying yes to him. Saying, God, I thank you for the cross. Thank you for taking my sin. And then, God, I want to follow you. You can just talk to him there in your seats. If that's you today and you'd like to have that hope, you'd like, to, you'd like for us to pray for you for that, all you got to do is no one looking around, no one's going to come to you. I'm not going to sing out nothing like that. I'd ask you just to raise your hand for just one moment. Just one moment. Just raise your hand. Let us, so we can pray for you. Thank you back there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, there's nothing more exciting than choosing to follow Jesus. God, thank you again for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to make much of you. God, I pray that you'd work in each life, Lord, with those hands that were raised. God, I pray that you give them the faith to trust you, to know what it is to experience a life that can only come from you, God. God, I pray that we would be the church that you called us to be. God, I pray that we know what it is to love people well, just like you loved us. So, God, again, I pray that you bless. Lord, we're thankful for this Easter. We're thankful for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing to close out the service today? Thank you for being here with us this morning. Sing it out with me. Oh, hallelujah.
song 